Okay, welcome back, everyone, to episode seven of the Creative Block podcast with me, Carol Knight, and as always, Amy Williams. Uh, can't believe we're on episode seven, by the way. We've had a few weeks break uh, to give you all a breather from our voices, <laughs> but we're back, episode seven, and we've got something very uh, exciting, a bit special lined up for you today, something a bit different than what we normally do. Um, and this was all down to Amy, so I'll let her kind of explain in further detail. I can't believe we're on episode seven. I didn't think it was that many ahead, but yeah. yeah. Um, so yeah, in episode seven, I speak with my friend Em um, and it's all surrounding the issue of burnout. But before we do get into the interview, I did just want to make it clear that um, burnout and working hard are two completely different things. So ambition is a wonderful thing. And when you have both the motivation and the determination to fulfill a job at its highest standard, you know, it will lead to great things. Um, the problem is where that hard work becomes relentless. So that's what me and Em talk about because we've seen it in a few of our friends and Em's gone through it herself and identified that like a little bit after um, working and down the line, she's realized that. So it's when you're actually sacrificing your own well-being. So in this episode, we talk about how it's important to fulfill your life with different things apart from work. Um, but I do want to highlight that there's a difference in like, you know, staying a little bit later at work, that's not going to lead to burnout or working a few more hours here and there. But yeah, you're not, it, you're not when saying, it becomes... You're not saying yeah. that everyone should slack off, are you? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I just wanted to make it clear that there's different for you being a conscientious worker, but then it becoming completely too much and it taking its toll. Um, so it is important when you're listening to the episode that we're not saying to not be diligent when you're working or don't be dedicated to your job. That's not what it's about. It's just about raising awareness for burnout, which then preserves your well-being, um, which is obviously very important. So I just want to read out what burnout means from um, the World Health Organization, just in case anybody didn't actually know or you're not familiar with the term. So it says that burnout is a syndrome conceptualized as resulting from chronic workplace stress that has not been successfully managed, um, which might be feelings of energy or uh, depletion or exhaustion, increased mental distance from one's job or reduced professional efficiency. So that's basically what we talk about in the in the episode. Um, and at the end, Em gives some great tips of how to manage it if you do find yourself reaching burnout as well so it's definitely worth staying until the end yeah and just um, before just before we get into the interview it's really i'm i'm glad that you read that out because i think a lot of people misinterpret what or, or don't really understand what burnout actually is and it might they yeah. might be that they're going through it them, themselves and don't realize because they've got a different idea of what it is so actually exactly. that clarification was is very important <laughs> yeah well, um, well exactly. done you <laughs> yeah thanks, thanks. <laughs> um but em's been through it and she obviously talked about her symptoms and what she looked out for so it was really good and it's quite eye-opening because you can go on to autopilot as she explains and you can you can kind of not even realize that you're going through it so yeah obviously there'll be more information online if anyone does suspect they might be going through it or if you know somebody who has because I do explain in the in the episode, but I did see um like going through it and reaching burnout. So it's important to look for look out for your friends and your family as well. Great. Okay. So here's the uh, here's the interview. Here's episode seven. We'll be back in episode eight. See you later. 
Today I'm joined by my good friend Em, who's a fellow creative who graduated from Nottingham Trent University with a degree in finance a few years ago. Um, it was actually before she graduated and I graduated that we became friends. We met at Glastonbury, fell in love and we're best friends ever since. I love that story. We have such a good story of how we met. Um, so Em's story is particularly interesting because she did graduate with a degree in finance, but actually decided that she wanted to break into the creative sector um, and has had a few jobs in the creative industry. So Em, do you want to talk about your journey from graduating university and the kind of jobs that you've had since then? Yeah, so yeah, like Em said, I studied finance and then left to go and work in finance. I kind of knew I didn't want to do that forever. So I was sort of volunteering, doing lots of creative bits just to kind of work out what my path was. Um, and then when I felt like I had enough to go off, I sort of handed my notice in and just sort of went for it. So my first job was in a music agency. So I was the touring assistant. So booking, helping book tours um, for artists and doing contracts and that sort of thing. So it was kind of a good segue. It was kind of kind of like my finance work, a lot of negotiation and lots of spreadsheets and that kind of thing, but obviously with the music element. So that was the kind of nice link to creative. Um, mm -hmm. And that job ended in, in burnout, which is part one of my story. Um, so yeah, that, that one, um, I don't know how I kind of got the courage to leave really, but I think... When I was making the jump from a secure job in finance, you know, something that paid the bills, but also gave me time to volunteer, I kind of had this rose-tinted glasses view of what maybe a creative job would be and would give me. Um, and after only a couple of months being there, the sort of, it wasn't for me. And for many reasons, it, it didn't suit me at all. And I, I kind of realised that it wasn't worth just making myself physically and mentally unwell just because it was a creative role I mean there's so many types of creative role and I just thought you know it would be really lucky if the first one I had tried would be the right fit so yeah I just again decided just to leave that one but I was luckily luckily um probably through networking which is one major great thing about the creative industry everything I've got so far has been through someone I've met or someone who knows someone um, so yeah, luckily after my first, um, job, I was only unemployed for about a week and then I started at a very large pride celebration festival that won't be named. We know who it is, but we won't, we won't name them. Um, but no, I loved working there as well. So I've been, I was there two years and, um, I was the events assistant and, so, you know, we were doing events for 120,000 people. So it was really big scale compared to what I was doing in the music agent. See, um, and then only recently, about three months ago, again, I decided <laughs> that I, it wasn't for me anymore. So I handed in my notice with nothing planned next. Um, and now I am just about to start a new job as an Aldi sort of store assistant. So it's been a bit of a roller coaster. Yeah, I was, I was about to say that it's literally a roller coaster. There's so many highs and lows and like different turns and twists to, to that story. But um, yeah, I think it's important what you said about the first role because um, I remember 
when you first got that job and you said that you kind of saw it through rose tinted glasses um and you would say like I know that so many people were fighting to be in my position now so that was kind of like the overriding premise of you being there because you were thinking well you know I'm so lucky to have got to this point I've broken out of my corporate job well my finance job to go into a creative role and you were you were kind of trying to have gratitude even though it was wearing you down so much because I remember you used to get like when you waking up on a Saturday morning and you'd have like so many emails and it was supposed to be a day off and you had so much to do and um I remember like well us as friends we were like recognizing that you completely reached burnout um but it was just this overriding thing that you had in your head like no I'm so lucky that to be doing this yeah that's such a good point and I think especially I don't know if it's in every industry but when you're starting out in something new you kind of accept that you kind of are the dog's body for the first maybe year while you're learning the ropes and you know a part of that is true and it's fair enough you've got to learn but I think that allows yourself and employers to kind of take advantage sometimes oh, and that yeah, was absolutely. so clear in that first role so I went from you know regular hours nine to five to like you said being woken up on a Saturday morning at 6am with an international call for something that really wasn't my job role or anything it just was that was the kind of me picking up all the things that no one wanted to do um, and yeah like you, you hit the nail on the head I just always felt like oh no I should push through this everyone has to go through this and you know this narrative of you know, you watch films like Devil Wears Prada and the assistant gets treated like shit, but, you know, she pushes through it and eventually she gets a good job. Well, you kind of think that that's acceptable. Yeah. And it, it then dawned on me that, no, this is not acceptable. This is, I shouldn't, I shouldn't be feeling this burnt out at the end of my day that I can't go and socialize with my friends. I can't, you know, it, it's, you can't just let your, your work be your whole life because, that's where the where, that's where it's not good for your mental health. So, um, yeah, I'm very glad I, I realised that sooner because if I was still there now, I don't think it'd be any different. Yeah, and that was such a great point. Um, and can we reveal the salary you were on? Because I remember it was like you were barely even like able to pay the bills with what you were on. Yeah, I think it was like it was minimum wage ish. It was like sixteen grand. And I was, you know, working eight till six, traveling an hour to get there. It, you know, I was I was sacrificing a lot to be there. So, yeah, like you said, it kind of made me feel like, oh, I should stick it out. But no, don't do yeah. that. I'm going to say, because you were like, you basically had nothing to show for it apart from that you were in that job. Because like you say, you had no energy or, or time to do anything else apart from that job. You couldn't have any money to do anything else because you were like barely even able to pay the bills. So you were literally sacrificing your whole life just to have this job, which I do think quite a lot of people do when they feel just so lucky to be in the job because um, it is right. Some jobs ask are very scarce, like that job that you're in. Yeah, it might be hard to get that role, but like you say, it's not worth sacrificing your mental health or your physical health at all. Um so what gave you the courage to leave your second job in um, the large pride? <laughs> um, I think like a lot of people, coronavirus gives you time, doesn't it? It gave us time to like reevaluate what we wanted in life and just to step back. I think if we hadn't had this period of being at home, I probably would have carried on and been fine. It wasn't mentally straining or, you know, you know, 
making me unwell, but it was burning me out. And it was only when I stopped that I realized that. So, um, yeah, I, I just evaluated that, you know, I came to Manchester, like I said, working in finance, but doing all these amazing volunteering things and little passion projects in the creative industry. And although I was working full time in a creative role, I kind of reflected that I wasn't really being creative. You know, mm-hmm. I, I kind of wanted to say this about a creative job is, was always my goal. But actually, for me, working nine to five in an office environment, even though the subject is creative, it didn't feel like that was me. Like that wasn't ticking my box for what being creative was for me. Um so yeah, like I said, even though I was working in events, I didn't I didn't feel satisfied in that way. Yeah. Um, and I also didn't have the mental capacity to work on the passion projects I was doing before. So yeah, it was a it was when things started picking up again. And you know, we were really fortunate that I was on furlough for a while, but we um, you know, my job was safe and things were starting to pick up for this summer again. And it was when things started to get busy, I was thinking, do I want to be working in a job that I'm you know, this is not the company, this is no disrespect to the company, this is the way events is. I was working, you know, 9am till 10pm at the busiest times, seven days a week. And obviously, it's brilliant. It's, it's an amazing event. And, you know, it's a charity. In this case, this is a charity, the money wasn't great. Um, but it kind of it, it chimes the same things as the first issues of the first job, where I wasn't having any time to spend with friends and family. I didn't have time to do passion project or the headspace because I was, if I finished at 10 PM, yeah, I might've had an hour before bed, but I was just so tired. Mm -hmm. I didn't have the space to think about that. So yeah, there was a lot of similarities um, in that. And, and yeah, I just realized that as well as valuing time with my friends and family, which is important, I do want to have passion projects. I do want to, go out and find things to get involved with and the only way I thought I could do that was to find a job which I've chosen Aldi as something that I go to to just get my money and you know work hard but come home and my head is then free to think about creative projects yeah so that's kind of the, the where I've got to now I'm gonna say I think that hobbies is so important in in your life like People need to have hobbies to have a healthy mind, in my opinion. Like, even if it's just reading a book. And like, I find sometimes if I've been working too hard that, and I love reading, but then I won't even find the energy to read a book. But it's so weird because it's like, but I love reading. So why am I not doing it? But it's just because you don't have the mental space to do it. And um, I remember when you were in that job and like, say if we were coming over for tea, uh, and you'd be like, I'm so sorry, I've literally just had to run to Sainsbury's, which is just down the road from M. Um, just had to run to Sainsbury's to like get get this because I've had just no time. I would be like, M, calm down, it's fine. <laughs> but you'd be like, not even have a second to stop and actually like, because even that's important, like to have time to actually eat is important. <laughs> and I think sometimes like you actually it is a problem when you realize that you don't have time for hobbies and you don't even have time to do the simple things like organize what you're going to eat for dinner (laughs) they are like two solid things that you should have in life like in my opinion so yeah I think it's great that you had the courage to do that um so what kind of passion projects did you have before um you moved into the other two roles because like you said when you were in finance and that is because that was obviously the job that you want you wanted to do at 
at some point in the um in the past because obviously you chose that as a degree and then you got into the industry that you had your degree in um so what kind of made you think that you wanted to go into creative industries and then like how did it lead you to what you wanted to do well I guess before if we go back before I even did my finance degree I was always one of those people that got involved in things at sort of school level and and college level and you know hanging around with bands and doing all that sort of stuff helping on the door so I liked doing that anyway you know I run, ran a few events a few I did a lot of like you know fundraisers for charities but they turned out to be like music battle of the bands and things like that so I liked doing that and I guess that kind of was the precursor to working in events I just didn't know it at that time and um, so then in my degree I was really involved in the burlesque society and um, so you know I was the president of the club so we had 60 members and you know I was chairing meetings every week doing three classes a week and so I was kind of that was filling my creative box at uni and then when I left uni I kind of moved to Manchester didn't know anyone and and so yeah the, the main way I kind of fill my creative box then was um, volunteering for music events so the first year I was here I volunteered for Part Life and um, as an artist liaison assistant and it was it was great like they had an open call interview anyone could turn up um who had an interest in working with them um, and I was really lucky that I got um a go at it so that kind of doing that that voluntary experience in artist liaison is what kind of made me think wow I could do this as a job and like I said before the creative um, events world especially in Manchester is so um, the networking is so great you know obviously you've got to be that confident and be that kind of person to like doing it but you know I volunteered once as an artist liaison assistant and like I said everyone I met there in some way has linked me to my next roles yeah. Um, so yeah volunteering is kind of what made me think of being doing creative stuff as a career um, and then after that the thing the last thing I did before I left my job in finance was Oxjam, which is Oxfam's, um, they have a program of, uh, it's a music fundraising event. Um, so again, I volunteered as a head of production for that, which was something I didn't really know about. I just thought I'd give it a go. And again, the people that I met doing that, they all worked in creative roles full time. And, and I just had thought, wow, this they can do it as a job. Why can't I? So yeah, it was from volunteering that I thought, this is a viable career option. Yeah. And what did you think to, well, once you'd volunteered, um, like do, looking back, did you prefer having your nine to five and doing those on the side rather than having a full-time role in, in events? Like, because it is interesting that we were, to what we were talking about before that you obviously had a full-time job that, just paid the bills and you didn't really enjoy but it was just a, a job that was there for, for the time like not a permanent role um and then obviously had all of your creative stuff on the side and then now it's like gone full circle because you actually did get into the full-time events industry um full-time role in the events industry but then now you've decided actually no that's not what you want to do and now you want to go back to what you wanted before which is yeah. quite interesting I didn't even think about that until I was thinking about speaking to you today, that it is full circle, like you said. Like, yeah, actually, when I was working in finance and, you know, probably being paid quite well for a first time out of uni, 
and had the headspace and you know it because it was a job I didn't really care about sorry if they're listening but I did care about the cause it was a charity but you know I didn't care about being a finance assistant that wasn't what I wanted to progress yeah Mm. no exactly but I was happy to do it nine to five knowing that as soon as I got home I had all these great things to do and for some reason yeah I thought that yeah well I'm glad I tried it but I thought that working full-time events would make me feel fulfilled but it's so funny that now I've literally, like you said, come full circle. And now all I want to do is that that I did at the beginning. Um, yeah. So I guess you have to try it. And it might fit. It depends probably what the type of creative um, work you're doing um, yeah. and also your personality and what your social life is like and all those things. Um, but yeah, it's really interesting that I've done a 180 and just gone back to the beginning or 360 yeah I know it is quite funny but it's so great that you recognize that and I think that it takes so much courage to actually come to that decision and just leave a job um or just you know move into a different career sector um so what what gave you the courage to leave and like what kind of what kind of plan did you have or what kind of like thought process took you to be where you are now because like I say it's it's quite a scary thing to do what you've done and it does take so much courage and um it's just interesting to know like what you had in mind when you did it well I'm very grateful that you see I've got courage I think a lot of people would say I'm stupid so no, <laughs> um but no it's funny so the first so there's when I left the finance job that was just I felt confident. I'd got all these great contacts and I thought, you know what, I'm going to go for it. I I was in a position because I said it was, like I said, it was quite well paid for for what I was doing. Um, I'd saved up about three months worth of buffer. So three months worth of covering my bills. And at the time I was living somewhere where it was so cheap, that wasn't hard to uh, save up. So yeah, I had three months. I just handed in my notice. Um, I think the first month I probably just enjoyed myself and then started properly looking. and applying to everything and, and reaching out to contacts and that sort of thing. The second time I left that that music job, um, that was it was the end of my sort of three month probation, and it just it just fell in my gut that something I knew I wasn't the right fit. And I think that the three month probation thing I used to always think was really dangerous because it could affect you. It could mean that they let you go. But actually, I think you should see it as a real positive thing because really you're only committing, you're you're giving them a trial run as much as they're giving you a trial run. And so, yeah, I got to this three month period. It was a week before and at the three month period, I would then be signing my full contract or whatever to be continuing on. And I just thought, I just really thought, I did, you know, really think about it, but I thought, I don't want to commit myself to here. I don't, this is not for me. Mm-hmm. So that one was probably a bit more risky and I maybe wouldn't recommend that because I didn't have a plan B. I, and like I said, I was so, so fortunate that I only was unemployed for a week, but it was so super stressful because I didn't have backup money. I needed to find something really, really fast. And yeah. um, I wouldn't recommend just quitting without a backup. And um, then the third time, the most recent time, again, I have a bit of money put away as a buffer, but before I'd even handed in my notice, I'd been applying to like 15 jobs a day, you know, because I was looking for just anything at that point. And I think that helped as well, knowing where I was going. And I quite specifically knew I wanted a 
physically demanding job, but that wasn't mentally straining. So I had so many options of things I could apply for. Yeah. Um, but I do want to caveat what I've said with, I recognize that a lot of this has to do with privilege and it's been something that I've really thought about a lot this year um, recognizing my own privilege in a situation because it's not just as easy as saying, oh yeah, save a couple of months money up and, and quit your job because there's so many things that people can't do that. And some, not everyone can. And, you know, even just be the advantage of if I really, really had nothing else, you know, I live with my partner, he could support us if we needed to, or my family have, you know, my bedroom still exists at my mum's house. If I needed to, I could go and live with my mum. But I realize that not everyone has that choice. Um, so, you know, if you're not in a position where you have that backup, it's, it's, it's a tough one because like I said, it, it's very, very, very stressful when you leave a job with no plan B. And that was from someone like me who actually, worse comes to worse, had a, a plan B, you know, I could go to my parents. So, you know, if you are thinking of, you, you know, you should leave a job if it's not making you happy. I'm not saying that you definitely should because it's made me, I feel so free and feel like everything I did was for the right reason. But just have a, even if it's two months, you know, two months before you're going to hand your notice in, come up with your plan B, whether that's start applying for jobs now rather than waiting until you've handed your notice in or start thinking about what your options for universal credit or whatever that might be or can you move in with a friend to reduce your rent or something mm. before you think, right, I'm just going to have my notice in now because yeah, it's not, that's not for everyone. They are such good tips though. And it's, it's good to recognize that like, you, yeah, you are in a privileged position of somewhat like you weren't there rolling in it and like, you know, having all this endless, well, a money tree, but then yeah, you were privileged in the fact that you did have people to lean on or you were able to, you know, have savings and not everybody has that. And, it is actually quite scary because we were talking about this before. Obviously, we we started recording this, but it is quite scary when we talk about it because there is people there that aren't in such a privileged position who don't have people to lean on and don't have the money they're saved. And people can be trapped in their jobs when they're reaching burnout, which is actually a really dangerous thought of somebody reaching. Because, I mean, even looking back to how you were, and we've had, we have, a friend who we thought was also reaching burnout quite close to it, um, who luckily left. Um, but yeah, I was recognizing that you were definitely like needed to, to leave because you were just being completely overworked. But it's really scary thinking that some people like some companies must be aware that their employees are being completely overworked, but then know that the, the, the colleague might not have any plan B to actually be able to leave. And it's like a vicious circle where they're just trapped. It is quite scary, but I'm so glad that you got out of it. Um, and like, you're in such a good place now. Like, and it is such, it is like a complete turnaround to what you were doing. Cause you, and you finally like found peace with it. I think like you're completely humble and about it and you just know what you want to do, um, which is so good. Yeah. Like when you're saying about people being trapped by their employers, obviously I hope no one's doing that out of, you know, m malice intent. But I do, like I said before about this sort of like culture of treating the assistant or the, the, the lowest person in the company as the dog's body. I think there's a bigger, wider problem, which I think needs to be tackled with 
how like well employees generally are treated but especially junior employees because mm-hmm. they do no one would ever say it but they make you feel like you're one of a million like if you don't want this job someone else will and mm-hmm. you feel like you should they make they kind of sometimes make you feel like you should feel lucky that you're here yeah and um, which is such an issue and I think like you really I would advise you need to not you need to try and undo that thinking because that is how that's how we are we've got to this point of burnout because we feel all this pressure you really really need to put yourself first yeah Um, because yeah there will be someone that steps in it tomorrow whose parents can afford them to help them stay afloat and do free internships and do things that that but that doesn't mean that they'll love it too and also don't worry about them it's about you and your mental health and also your passions what do you want to do just because on paper you're working for the best company ever in your creative industry if it's not for you it's not the culture for you it's not right like yeah there's so many companies out there and it just means you haven't found your perfect fit and I think I said this to someone recently they got a job they really wanted and it wasn't really for them and you know obviously I'm not saying quit straight away give it a go because sometimes things take a while but you know, it would be so lucky if you found your perfect job match on the first Thursday try, you know. Yeah. It takes people 25 years to find peace with their job or find the right place for them. I just, just think we've got this strange culture of, well, just stick to it because you've got it now. No, I, I disagree. I feel like the people that are going to be happier in life, and I know I am personally, are don't just stick for something because of because it sounds good do it follow what you like doing you know mm-hmm. so how did you realize that you'd reached burnout is there any kind of warning signs that you actually recognize within yourself you know I'm just thinking about anyone out there who might be because I think you go on autopilot I've definitely been at the point where I have been there um and you do go into autopilot and it's like you know s- sleep work repeat that's it basically and it's like hardly any sleep (laughs) as well basically just all work and like I feel like you do go on autopilot and then you don't recognize actually that you're in the state that you are in so do you have any kind of um direction for anyone or like clues as to what to look out for um I'm always the last person to realize so my partner always says that when I go into event mode, I turn into like a plant that needs just feeding. I need watering. I'll forget to eat and drink and, you know, I'll just be in survival mode. But if you haven't got a partner or if to, to what makes me realize and what's what I've really started to try and do is on a weekend, allowing like maybe an afternoon, maybe Sunday afternoon. I know Sundays are a bit crap, but just a little bit of time just to stop, turn, get your phone away and your laptop away and just let your mind rest. And then then I start realizing, I get a thing, what I like to call mess blind, where I'm quite naturally a, ta- well, I'm a tidy person, I'm a clean person. But when I'm in, bur- when I've been burnt out, I, look, I take this little half an hour, whatever I do, and just let my mind rest. And then I look around and it's like, I've been living like a little pig, but I don't realize when I'm in the burnout that I'm being like this, I'm not looking after my space. Mm-hmm. It's only when I give myself that time to look around that I'm like, wow, oh, there's loads of washing up that needs doing or there's, you know, clothes on the floor, which I wouldn't normally have. Um, and for me, I'm an overeater. I love eating. Um, and I do, you know, I can tell when I've been 
mindlessly, you know, I have food put in front of me and not even realize it's there and just be eating to survive while I'm typing or whatever. Um, so my a big telltale sign was last year, I put on quite a lot of weight. So I think that's a good thing to look out for. If you're not someone that, well, I, you know, even if you are someone that puts weight on easily, if you put weight on, that's a, a good indicator for me. Or the other way around, if you don't, if you forget to eat meals and you're feeling faint and tired, you might have not been, you know, keeping your body full of nutrients like you normally would. Um, sleep as well, obviously, it's a if given, but I am like a baby. If I hit the pillow, I'm, that's it for eight hours. But if I'm in burnout mode, I might wake up in the night and think about things or have trouble getting to sleep or yeah. I'll grind my teeth. I know it's a bit of an anxiety thing, but those little things that are just outside of your normal are good indicators. And also, value the, you know, like you said, Ames, your friends and family know you so well. And even if you haven't got a partner, like I said, someone else seeing you and can recognise changes or stress or maybe you've not been replying to text messages or you've not been coming to as many social things listen to your friends and family they know you and they have a different view of it when when you're in heads down survival mode and burning out you might not realize so listen to your friends and family yeah no I think that that's a hundred percent right and there's so many warning signs there because I think when you are reaching burnout, your head is so filled with a hundred different things that you need to do or you need to remember that there's no room in there to actually recognize. There's no space for anything else for you to recognize any other part of your life that needs work because it's all you're focused on, well, working um, in your job. And um, me and Callum, who record this podcast, we I remember we actually spoke about this years ago because he would have a whiteboard with all of his meals on from Monday to Friday. And I'd be like, as if you plan them all. But he said that if he plans them, then there's less, then there's more room in his mind to think about creative stuff that he needs to do because there's like, um, obviously he's already sorted that out. So it's like, if you, if you have more room in your head, then you're obviously going to, your life is going to run smoother because it's like mm-hmm. equally balanced. If you organize, you know, different parts of your life equally, then that's how you, you're normally functioning. But then if it's all one thing that's taken up your whole mind, it's not healthy. And I think that's why there is such um, a big thing now about self-care um, because I think that hustle culture is, massive and it's prolific in this day and age I think and online you see so much about self-care and how important it is and it's even if you just run a bath or even if you just switch your phone off or you just watch a film or you just you know make your favorite dinner like there's just the little things that add up to actually try and heal your your burnout or help you to actually recognize it it's like what you said just mindless things when you stop then you realize so yeah Mm. that's really really good advice right so how we usually end every episode of creative block is with some top tips so I would want to ask you what your top tips are for anybody who does maybe want to leave their job if they have recognized that they're reaching burnout or anybody who might question if they are at the point of burnout as well yeah so first of all don't panic no one's i put you on the spot 
if you've thought maybe I think I'm reaching burnout, that's great. You've got great self-awareness, you know, you know yourself, which was, which is a really, really positive thing. So yeah, first of all, if you're not sure whether you have reached burnout or if the job is something that um, you don't want to leave, just, just literally let you, let your mind be free. I, I like to go for a walk with a podcast, just, you know, empty your mind. Because like Aim said before, if your brain's full of work stuff, it's not going to give you the headspace to make that decision properly. Um, empty your mind. And of course, you know, everyone would say, speak to your friends and family. And that is important at a point. But I do think well, this is such a big decision and it's such a personal decision. Um, and, you know, they say too many cooks spoil the broth. But it is that sort of thing, you know, Everyone will give you their opinion on what they think you should do, but it doesn't matter. It's about what you want to do. And if you recognize that you're being burnt out by a job or it's not fulfilling you or you can't imagine yourself, well, you're not happy, you know, those really things are really vital and they probably won't change. You know, if it's different from I can't see how I'll progress or there's an issue with a colleague, that's different. Those things can be resolved. But if you're fundamentally not happy at a job or it's not right for you, then that's fine. That's okay. And you're not a failure for that. Um, so yeah, just empty your mind, let, let it, let it all go. Um, and think about what your exit plan is. And this is what I mean. You don't have to think, Oh God, I need to hand my notes in tomorrow and then deal with it. It doesn't, it could be six months. It could be 12 months. It could be one month. Mine usually be one month, but go and go and make a plan, go and make whether that's okay. Well, what I need to do first is make sure that the bills I'm paying aren't as high as they are now. So your first step might be, I'm going to move in with a mate or I'm going to move back in with my parents just while I figure this out. And don't forget, this doesn't mean that you have to still hand your notice in. This is just doing step one. You can undo step one if you need to. So first of all, like, yeah, make your plan. Do your first few steps, whether that, yeah, securing your money, thinking about some savings. You might need to um, sell an old guitar that you have just so you've got a bit of cash. Um, And then, the next step is to think about, well, what next? And not just what job, but what what do I want? So for me, I decided I want a job that isn't going to fill my head because otherwise I'm going back to the same situation I was in because mm-hmm. um, the company was brilliant. It wasn't the, the organization. It was what the job was doing for me. And um, so, yeah, I think that's, I think that really was helpful for me to think about, well, what is going to resolve this issue for me? Um Because then that gave me confidence for step three, which is to look for new things. Mm -hmm. I think when I first left my first job, I kind of was a bit, I was going in blind. I was a bit like, well, I don't know what I want to do. So I was kind of searching endlessly and that's quite disheartening. So yeah, have it, have clarity on what you think is going to resolve the issue that you are having and and that job, what job it is or whether it is a job that you might, you might decide I want to go and volunteer somewhere or whatever it is work out what you want next and then do research you know don't wait till you've handed your notice in to start applying for stuff they're not going to know your employers aren't going to know it's fine and also you might start looking for other jobs and even at that point if you decide I've changed your mind that's fine don't worry no one knows at this point and the last step really is handing in your notice and to do that you know it is, it is scary, I won't lie, you know, to go to your boss and say, I'm leaving with no plan B, sounds like you're being a bit of a dick, because it's kind of been like, well, I don't like it enough that I'm leaving now, but it's not that, it's 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 really not, and like, I can only from my own experience say that it's never been taken in a bad way, 
you know, you're, if you're clear about why you're leaving and what you want from your career or from your lifestyle or anything, then, then how can anyone be mad with that? They want the best for you. Um, yeah. So don't be panicking about, oh, how am I going to tell my manager? Because it's really not that bad. Mm-hmm. Um, and then that's it, you know, hand your notice in, but you've got to keep up that that self-confidence because if you forget why you're doing it, you're going to flounder and struggle to find something else. So you've just got to, you know, it might be helpful even to write, why why am I doing this on your computer screen? Have it on your post-it note. Why am I leaving? Well, it's because I come home and I'm knackered. I don't look after my body very well. I don't see my friends. That is your driving force. So if you need to be reminded of that to give you that, you know, kick up the bum, then remind yourself because it's that's going to push you through to find your next amazing opportunity. They are great tips and brilliant advice. Um, (laughs) I want to end by saying, so to finish off what you said, that yeah, we need to normalise leaving jobs because of burnout or because of overworking or because you're not happy. I think that that's not actually, I don't think it's accepted that that well in in society where, you know, you're leaving and someone asks why I I didn't like it, it wasn't making me happy or it was making me poorly which if something isn't making you happy, that should be the best, well, the a good enough reason for you to leave. So yeah, normalise leaving jobs because of burnout. Yeah, Definitely. but really great episode. Thank you so much for coming on Creative Block. Really enjoyed having a chat about burnout with you. Thank you for having me.